morning, kids. You can be released. You'll see <laughs> in the back corner there, ready to take you to uh, your classroom. So thank you so much again for joining us this morning. I do want to start with a quick update because at the end of October of, of last year, one of our elders, Nathan, stood up here and, and, and let you guys know kind of where we stood as we looked towards the end of the year. As we considered uh, 2020 and 2021, that as giving was kind of down, we were anticipating and projecting about a $30,000 deficit coming to the end of the year. And I want to say thank you because what happened in November and December because of your sacrificial giving and generosity, we nearly closed that gap in its entirety. And I just want to say thank you. That in that thank you, I don't just mean like, hey, we budgeted numbers on a spreadsheet. What, what I mean thank you in is that I feel like it's a demonstration of what it means to be a church family. I've seen the way that you guys have loved one another. I, I, I've seen the way that, that it's like buying into, like I, I believe in where God's leading us and what it means to become disciples who make disciples and willing to sacrifice. Like that's where the thank you is coming from. That together in what God is leading us to, I have such great hope as we look into this coming year. And, I, and I'm thankful for your partnership together in what God is doing in and through our family. So please hear our deepest and sincerest thank you. And, and also as a reminder, we will be having a partners meeting in January, uh, in two weeks, January 30th after the service, where we want to kind of share in just more details what this means, where we're going, that sort of thing. So if you are a partner here at Crosspoint, I strongly encourage you to make time for that. So after the service, we'll take a 10, 15 minute break. We're trying to keep that meeting to about 30 minutes. So if you are a partner, we really want you here for that family meeting. If you're not a partner, there's nothing secret about this meeting. You're welcome to sit in to kind of hear what we're talking about. You're more than welcome to sit in on that. We would love to have you there. So please make that a priority. So as we continue in the series, like in January, starting in February, next month, we're going to be studying 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John together, starting in February. Now, January, we've been doing a series that we've called What It Means to, to Be the Church, Aligning Our Hearts for the Year That's Ahead. What does it mean of where are we going together? And in that first message, my heart and my desire was to begin with, and there's a purpose in the order of these sermons. That first one marks the direction of focusing on the holiness of who God is. That God is not like us, right? Like we are created. God has eternally existed. He is the creator. He is the sustainer of everything that's been created. There is no one like him in all the universe. He is completely transcendent. He is morally perfect, without flaw, without error, to the point where even the created burning angels, the seraphim, who themselves are without sin, in the presence of God, would hide their faces, crying out to one another, holy, holy, holy. 
that was not just a standalone message to move on from. That, that is the center point that I desire for us in this coming year. That we would seek to behold and know God. And, and that we come to the realization that we can only come to know ourselves fully when we see God clearly. There's a reality that we can look in the mirror, but we will not know ourselves fully. Until we are standing in the presence of a holy God, will we see ourselves for who we are. And this is what then we looked at last week. To become who we are. This reality. That this transcendent, perfect, holy God would choose to create mankind in His image should blow our minds in our likeness it says that God in our own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them that our purpose being created in the image of God was like a mirror to reflect the light of the glory of this transcendent holy God to all creation that was our purpose But Adam and Eve, the first of mankind, and all who came after, took that mirror and instead of beholding God, turned it upon themselves and in pride said, what about me? What if I can be like God? And it was like they took that mirror and it became shattered and broken. The the scripture laid out that we were not a people. We had not received mercy, that our hearts were hard toward God. We were not facing Him. We did not desire to know Him. We did not desire to seek Him. And in our own sin, we deserved punishment from a holy, perfect God who created us to reflect the light of His glory. That's what we deserved. But two of the greatest words, the combination of words in the Bible that I think change that story is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God. That that was the reality. But God. But God being rich in mercy. But God because of the great love with which He loved us. But God even when we were dead in trespasses. But God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This is what we talked about last week. But God because of who He is, restored us, not because we deserved it. He restored our life. He redeemed. He took the punishment. The holy, transcendent God who created everything took the shame and punishment of His creation so that we might be restored and reflect His glory once again. This is the greatness of the God we serve. But I also want us to hear other words in this. What we heard last week, and even in Ephesians 2, He made us alive together with Christ. Last week, in 1 Peter 2, we read how once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. What I want us to hear this morning In light of the holiness of God, in light of His redemption, He has formed us together as His body. One body in Christ. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 27. And in many ways, that last verse in verse 27 is what the whole previous verses unpack. When it says, now you are the body of Christ. You plural, us here in this room, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Like just those two key truths. If we unpack what it means to be one as one body in Christ and what it means then to be individually parts of that one body. What does that mean? How do we understand that? Because in reality, as we look through this passage, I believe it confronts three lies that we see in today's culture. Three things that I believe I've heard. (laughs) I don't just believe I've heard. I've heard these things that people have expressed them to me. Like, I don't need the church. Jesus saved me. It's me and him. I don't need to be part of a community to follow Christ. Is that true? And I don't want to just have an argument of opinions. I want us to look at God's Word and say, what does God's Word say? What is true? Not just, well, Pastor Steve said this, but this other person said this. No. You shouldn't care what I have to say. What does God's Word say? And let that be the foundation. Does it speak to the reality of what it means to be called in community? What about this sense? Have you ever walked into a place and it just feels uncomfortable and you're like, I don't belong there? Like, everybody's different. I, I'm different. Then everybody here is the same and I'm somehow the outsider. There's a lie that wants to cause us to isolate ourselves from others that this passage is going to speak to. That feeling, that lie that creeps into our head that says, I don't belong. They're one way and I'm something different. Or the lie that says, they don't need me. What do I have to offer? Like there's other people who can do that better. They're better at that. Look what they can do. Look what they can do. I'm not needed. This passage is going to speak to those lies that can creep into our hearts and minds. So let's pray and then open up God's word together. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, as a church family to open your word. Lord, to hear from you in a world that has so many voices, so many opinions. How do we know what's true? And and yet we have your word in our hands, your perfect word that has the power to correct and train us in righteousness, Lord. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you do your work in us this morning? And in Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. Look at just verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. If there's anything in this, it should be this context. Like, we are one. Like, the body of Christ 
is one. It is unified. And it's saying, like, look at your own body. Consider your own body, all the different parts. It's one body. Right? My, my daughter, Jocelyn, and I, we've been going to the gym, and we have leg day, and we have back and abs and shoulder day, and like you work out different parts of your body, but all in all, it's, it's one body. It's one part. And yes, there's individual aspects. Yes, there's individual parts to the body, but in the end, it's one. So it is with Christ. We aren't separate bodies. It's not like I'm the body of Christ, and you're the body of Christ, and you're the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ as one. There is one body, one spirit, baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free. That's saying it doesn't even matter your background, your experience, white, black, Asian, Hispanic. We are one body. What about experiences, wealth, rich, poor, rural, suburban? What is it? We are one body in Christ. There is not a division between us. We are one. And it's held together because of who Christ is. Like, if you amputated your leg this morning, what happens? Yeah, you're going to be crying. (laughs) The leg's going to die. And you're going to be walking with a limp. Right? You can't just say, well, I have two legs. Like, have you ever stubbed your toe? And sometimes I've said that, like, oh, it's fine. I have ten others. Like, nine others. Who needs that toe? Like, <laughs> but really, you're like, I really miss that toe. It's painful. The reality is, it hurts. There's pain. You're going to feel it. So you have two legs. You miss one. You're going to feel it. This is what it's saying. It's, it's not like rocket science or deep theological. It's saying, like, yeah, you, you cut off your leg, it's going to hurt, you're going to limp, the leg's going to wither and die. But so it is with the church. Too often, Christians choose to amputate themselves from the body of Christ, living independent and isolated from the larger body. And they wither, and the body of Christ suffers. But it says he composed the body. Though many, though many individuals, we are one body in Christ. And we become fools when we seek to contradict God and think that it's all about just me and him. As it said in 1 Peter last week, once you were not a people, but now... You are God's chosen people. Now you are part of a community. Now you are part of a whole. You are children of a family. You are part of something. Whether you like it or not, the reality, as God declares it, you are part of a body. And when you choose to separate, you are amputating yourself from that body. And you will suffer and the body will suffer because of it. That there's part of what I think we just need to understand that we are one. And we are one to reflect together 
the beauty and the light of the glory of God. That purpose of reflecting God's glory is done together. There's an individual call to that, but there's also a collective reality. To be the body of Christ in this community means that together we reflect the multifaceted beauty of the gospel to our community because of who we are. Not just who I am and not just because of who you are, but because of who we are together. And every single part is needed. Look at what it says. This sense of the lie that would say, I don't belong. I don't belong. They're one way. I'm another way. Look at, look at them. Look at their experiences. Look at their background. Look at their skills. That's not me. I'm different. So I don't belong. Listen to what verses 14 through 20 says. For the body does not consist of one member, just meaning one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an ear, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. There is a reality as one body that we are interconnected. We are one body. Have you ever injured part of your body and then realized how much you use that part of your body? Like you don't think about it. Like I've had different injuries over the years, but I played basketball in high school, college, and, and some overseas. And I remember one of my the injuries that was the most annoying is I went up for a rebound and my pinky got caught in a guy's jersey and broke this knuckle. I didn't realize it until... I got the rebound and I grabbed the ball and I went to pass it and I called a timeout because the ball felt flat in my hand. And I'm like, the ball's flat. And the, the ref took it and started bouncing it and I looked like the idiot. And I'm like, something's wrong because that totally felt flat in my hand. And like, you realize like the pinky's not in the position it should be. And then you don't think much of it until you go to tie your shoes. And you're like, oh, I used my pinky for that. I don't even know how I use my pinky for that, but somehow my pinky is involved in the tying of shoes. But when you can't use your pinky, you're like, how do I do this? Something's wrong. You go to shoot, and like now fingers are taped together, and you're like, I can't dribble, I can't shoot. Like, who knew? Out of all the things you needed to play basketball, that you need a pinky. And it was frustrating. Like, I think we've all had that. Because there's a lie we believe. The same thing can happen in church, right? I don't belong. Like the feet matter. The, fit, the feet are what cause the, the player to run, the legs so they can jump, the arms so they can shoot. I'm just a pinky. What does it matter? I'm small. I'm insignificant. I don't belong. 
And this lie creeps into our minds. This theme that I see over and over again where it says about belonging. If the foot should say, I'm not a hand, I don't belong. That's what happens in our minds and hearts. This is what happens internally. We look at somebody else and we're like, I can't do that. I don't belong. Rather than saying, who has God made me to be, that we are interconnected with one another. Like, look around the room. Take a moment. You don't have to look at me. Do you see people different than yourself? Different background, different age, different gender. You're like, I see people different than myself. There's a lie that when we see that difference, we say, I don't belong. There's the truth that says that is the beauty of the gospel in the body of Christ. We're different. And I need them, and they need me, and I'm part of something bigger. And we're all a little bit different. And that's a beautiful thing. We have to combat the lie that seeks belonging with sameness. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. I think of that. For us, here, God arranged you in this body, each one of you, as he chose, uniquely, part of one body, but individually many members. I think what happens sometimes in church, and, and I'm saying this as a pastor, because what can happen is a pastor becomes the face of a church, right? Because I'm up here. You hear me. And then all of a sudden, the people that we pay attention to are the ones who are, who are visible. Oh, they can sing. Oh, he can speak. Oh, look what they're doing. But let me give you a snapshot of what you didn't see this morning. Names that maybe you're like, who are they? Of Kirsten and Tina moving tables, Harold helping set up signs and move benches, Marisa helping to set up the check-in area, Jenny setting up barriers in the classroom. Brandon, Johnny, helping to set up the connections table. Sue, helping to work that connections table. Teresa, working to serve coffee this morning. Aaron, running wires. Daniel, helping to get the visuals up on the screens. The list could go on and on. And that was just this morning. People who aren't seen. Names that as I look out, I'm like, oh, I miss them, and I miss them, and I miss them, and I'm sorry. Like, there's a sense of who we are together, and some of that is visible, and some of that is not. But there is this interconnection that we are called to when we are called to be the body. And, and that's just... Sunday morning. That was just this morning. What you don't see are the community group leaders who lead throughout the week. What you may not know about is those who went out to buy things so could be delivered to students here so they had Christmas. 
That's not even seen when someone was diagnosed with cancer and needed treatments, the car rides to those appointments that were given, helping people to get to to school when cars broke down, things that happened throughout the week of the body being interconnected that are never seen here up on stage but are a reality. Is that worth any less? Is that insignificant? No. That is the beauty of the body being the body. And what I want you to to feel this morning, to know, to understand in your mind is that you are part of God's body. Do not amputate yourself from that. You are interconnected with others. You have a place of belonging. Live that out. That if you're treating church like just a place that you attend and then leave, you are missing the point entirely of what it means to be the body of Christ. Like, are you isolating yourself? And let me be clear that there are those who are joining online and have for some time, and there is this question of what does it look like then to re-engage together in person in worship? What will that look like in the coming years? This year, to take that step to re-engage. But at the same time, you can be present here in person and still be isolated from the body and not living interconnectedly. You feel like you don't belong. You don't fit. And so you consume It's like you go to a restaurant, you get some spiritual nourishment, you pay for the meal, and then you go on about your business. But this is not a spiritual restaurant. This is a family meal where we're sitting around together and we're sharing our story with one another. And what we're about to see is that not only are we interconnected, but we're interdependent with one another also. I want you to see that, yes, you do have a uniqueness and you are individually members, part of one body. And you do have uniqueness. And not everyone else is the same. And that is the beauty of the body. And you are needed. And you need others as well. You can't do it all on your own. Not only are we interconnected, but we are interdependent. It says in verses 21 through 26, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable... We bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, 
all rejoice together. We are interdependent. See, we can't say to, and let's be honest, we don't like this. Can I just say, like, we like it in theory. It's great for a sermon, but in reality, we kind of value our independence. Right? Like, if I could give you a choice, and I could say, you can either need other people in your life, or you could be totally self-sufficient and not need help from anyone else, which one would you choose? Most of us would say, I would really prefer just to be self-sufficient and not need help from anybody. That is the antithesis of what it means to be interdependent, where we're leaning on one another. We need one another. We value independence. God is calling us to interdependence, needing one another. How can we say, I don't need you? It makes no sense. Even the small parts, even if you're like, I play such a small part, they don't even see it. They don't even know it. God says it's indispensable. It's like, well, there's some parts that get honor. What about the one that doesn't get honor? What about Marisa and Lorena, who are back there with the young kids right now because someone called in sick and they weren't expecting to serve this morning, but they're serving this morning? See, if someone asks you, who preached today? You'll be like, oh, Pastor Steve preached. But who served in nursery? Who served coffee? Who've moved benches? We don't see them. But does that mean it's any less? Does that mean, oh, it doesn't matter, we don't need them? No. The body's saying we need one another, and that's the beauty of what I've seen this morning. I feel like it was on display. People who weren't expecting to serve in the ways that they have served have served and have used their gifts to be a blessing unexpectedly outside of their comfort zone. And it's been a beautiful, beautiful reality. And if one suffers, we all suffer. How do you think about it? You stub your toe, you hop. Right? You feel it. You jam your finger and now your whole hand is throbbing. You feel it. When one member hurts, we bear the burden together. It is interdependent. But here's what I want to challenge you on. Look at when it says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Here's the reality. I feel like few of us would ever say to someone, I don't need you. Like, thanks, but no thanks. We can take care of that ourselves. You're not needed. But here's how I do think it shows up in our culture. Have you ever said, I'm more than willing to help others, but I have a hard time asking for help? How is that different than saying, I don't need you? I have no need of you. Can we say that? Should we say that? See, I think a lot of us, and I'm preaching to myself here, I would much prefer to help people. But when it comes to asking for help, I'm a lot slower. I don't like asking for help. I'll, I'll take care of this myself. I want to be a person that people can come to when they need help. But am I the kind of person who's ready and willing to go to somebody else when I need help? 
Or do we say, I have no need of you? Thank you for what you have to offer. And yes, I am in need, but I'm just going to carry this myself. My challenge to us is that we are one body, individually members of it, where we have a place to belong, but we are called to be interdependent upon one another, to carry one another's sorrows, to rejoice together as a body. This is what we are called to, and it will be hard. And that's where in verse 27, I feel like it's the thesis. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. If I could have like one thought seared into your mind from today, it's this verse. Let everything else flow out of that. Now you are the body of of Christ. You are one in Christ together with others and you are individually members of it. You are part of this larger thing and you have value and you have belonging and when you disconnect not only do you suffer but others suffer because of what you have to offer. It hurts both ways. And so I want us to think, how then do we live this out? How do we apply this? What does it mean? First, you are part of the body of Christ. Not to be amputated. Would you describe yourself as part of the body or amputated from the body what does it look like to be part of the body like there's ways that when when we talk about practically what that means as part of the family we use the language partnership others you may be more familiar with membership to be a member of one body and there's an aspect here of how we live that out and what that means together. Of Am I just coming to consume or am I coming to contribute and be part of something, to both give and receive? Partners are, are people who are followers of Christ, who are committed to the body, who are making a covenant with one another to say, I want to live this out imperfectly together. I want to do that in community. I want to do that in using my gifts. I want to do this in, in contribution. And it's not always pretty, but we're going to do this together. Are you connected or isolated? And I want you to think about this on a couple different levels. This sense of belonging, having a place. How are you isolating yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually? Do you see what, what, what I mean here? See, for some, we have disengaged physically. The pandemic from 
2020 has caused us to, to disengage, to isolate ourselves. And it can be hard then to how do I re-engage? There's some who are still wrestling with that. And I would encourage you, allow us to walk with you in what it looks like in the coming year to re-engage physically in gathering together as the body. But some of us are present physically, but we're disconnected emotionally or spiritually. People say, how are you? Fine. But I don't want to go to community group because they're going to get too personal and they're going to get to know me and my problems. And I don't want to be a burden on anybody, so I'm just going to carry this myself. I don't need you. The invitation is to be emotionally vulnerable and interdependent with one another also. To be spiritually interdependent. I need people speaking into my life as much as I have an opportunity to be speaking. We need one another. What has God shown you about himself that you're like, well, I can't articulate it like so-and-so, so you're just silent when God has put beautiful truths on your heart to communicate through your unique personality that you can be a blessing to others within the context of community. But you're so busy comparing yourself to how somebody else would say it that you're silent. How are you being disconnected, isolating yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually? We need to live together as the body of Christ for his glory. In a caring and interdependent, not independent. Like how are you choosing to live independently from the, from the body? Like I'll come, I'll serve, I, 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 I'll be present, but I don't want to get in anybody else's mess. Like I don't want to, I have enough trouble of my own. Like, let's leave before the service ends so I don't have to talk with anybody or get to know anybody and they don't get to know me. That's not what it means to be the body. It is a place where you are known and where you come to know others and where they help you carry your burdens and they help carry your burdens and we rejoice together when one part is honored, we celebrate that together. That's what it means to be interdependent. You need others, and others need you. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. My prayer in this coming year is that we can live out the beauty of what God has called us to be as his body in this community. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that confronts and corrects the lies that can creep in, that wants to tempt us to, to isolate ourselves and to live independently from needing anyone else and calling that strength and responsibility when you are inviting us into something so much more beautiful. Lord, that you have called us not just by ourselves, but you have formed and called us into a people 
of your own choosing, a people belonging to you, a people living in community together, a people who are connected and interdependent. And in that reality, Lord, it reflects your sufficiency, not our own. And so, Lord, whether our part to play is large or small, seen or unseen, Lord, help us to understand and experience the the dignity and the belonging of the part that you have for us in the role that it plays as being your body reflecting your glory in our community. And in Jesus' name, amen.